welcome to the Healthy Human Revolution podcast. I'm Dr. Lori Marvis, and today I would love to welcome Matt Tolman. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well. Thanks so much for having me, and thanks for the opportunity to share our story with your audience. Wonderful. You have you work with some amazing people. Um, so the Know Me Athlete and some other very entrepreneurial. You have a great story, and I can't wait to dive into it. But can you tell us a little bit about you first and I know you've been plant-based for how long now? Quite some time. Five, six years. Time flies. Closer to five. Five years. So maybe tell us a little bit about your background and how you went to a plant-based site and then how you actually brought that passion with your entrepreneurship. And because I think this is a really interesting area that a lot of people, especially our younger generation, like, you know, my kids are who are entering this entrepreneurial phase um, would love to hear about. Sure. Um, well, let's see. So my story uh, actually started off um, investing other people's money. I was trained as a social scientist, but um, had a lucky break with one of my mentors uh, offering me a job in the venture capital realm. So I was able to see a lot of different types of businesses and business models and just uh, had one of the best MBA experiences that um I, I could ever imagine without actually having to go to an MBA program. Um, and so it's eventually I started pitching my own ideas. Uh, my focus was in education. I still think education is one of our single greatest weapons against most of the seemingly intractable ills facing society, you know, whether it's poverty or racism or bigotry or malnutrition, right? Um, A lot of these chronic illnesses, you know, I think education is really um, the key that can solve so many of those issues. And so um, when I looked at the classroom, you know, call it 10 years ago, uh, we were still learning out of textbooks. On average at that time, textbooks were seven years old. Um, And so if you imagine, you know, just the geography of the Middle East being reshaped through you know, the Arab Spring, right? Um, Or for that matter, any sort of scientific breakthroughs, right? Those textbooks are immediately out of date. And so I started pitching ideas for really a technology-driven teaching and learning environment. And eventually that took uh, uh, some root with some investors and we started building a team and and ended up putting in um, software, hardware. We did wireless infrastructure. We did professional development for teachers, many of whom... We're in the classroom for 20, 30 years using the same uh, lesson plans that they designed 20 or 30 years ago. So there's a lot of um, uh, retraining that had to happen. Um, and of course, you know, just the, the general environment had to evolve with the times. And so we really focused on how to be a turnkey solution for schools. And then eventually we worked our way up to districts and then bigger districts and um, when I left, we were uh, impacting a million students uh, with our various technologies uh, in a given school year. So happy to say that business is still around. Um, I serendipitously found myself in a hospital supporting a loved one. It was the first time in six, seven years that I wasn't responsible for payroll for one or more businesses. And so when I got a call about my grandfather having a routine procedure, I decided that, you know, I, I can go and fly in at 6 a.m., fly out at 6 p.m., and, uh, you know, just be there for my grandmother just in case, right? Um, 
Turns out that wasn't so routine. Uh, they were putting a peg tube into his stomach um, because his epiglottis, the thing that keeps air and food going in the right direction in your throat, uh, wasn't functioning, right? And so if you're born with a birth defect uh, or if you're a younger uh, adult and something like that happens through a car accident or something, um, they'll do the reconstructive surgery to make that work again. Um, for an 86-year-old man, uh, that wasn't the option, right? So they just said, no worries. Modern science would allow us to just bypass the whole eating apparatus entirely, and you'll just eat, you know, uh, gruel through a tube into your stomach. And so it was a, a really eye-opening experience because I started to think about food in a very different way. Mm. I ended up staying in the hospital for uh, just shy of 30 days. Um, one pair of clothes, no car, you know, wife at home in Chicago. I was in uh, Kansas and uh, yeah, sleeping on a, a, a chair most nights. And like I say, just absolutely eye-opening when you see, you know, these incredible um, capabilities that we've developed in terms of modern medicine, but at the same time, um, a, a real lacking uh, in terms of our appreciation for the human condition, in, in my opinion, right? Mm -hmm. um, the fact that you don't get any sun, you don't get any fresh air. Um, it's an absolutely dehumanizing experience in, in every way. Um, you know, you're, you're not getting any exercise or any, uh, let alone exercise, just movement, right? So like all these basic things that we know humans need, mm -hmm. you know, uh, sun, fresh air, you know, water, that kind of thing, um, just wasn't happening in the hospital setting. And so um, the big question in my mind was nutrition. Um, and for whatever reason, I uh, stumbled upon, um, like many of us, the uh, China study while I was sitting there. Um, my uncle had had a bout of uh, cancer and had seen incredible uh, improvements by adopting a raw vegan diet. Um, and so in the back of my mind, I kind of always knew that that was something. I had been vegetarian for, for quite some time as a result, um, but I really wanted to kind of dig in and look at that just because um, there was this sort of malnutrition state setting in for my grandfather. I really wanted to understand, you know, what this was about. And so um, he eventually succumbed to uh, those conditions, and uh, that uh, was... Yeah, shell-shocked. Um, speaking to a veteran, I want to be careful to use that term. Um, but, <laughs> but needless to say, it was a, an awe-inspiring and absolutely um, just sort of mentally destructive uh, experience. And so I took about two years, um, uh, moved from Chicago back home to uh, Denver to be closer to family. You know, it was one of those recalibrating your values sort of thing. Um, cut ties with all of my business interests in Chicago at that time and said, I really want to dedicate myself to keeping myself, my wife, my friends, and my family out of the hospital. That should be the goal, right? It's an incredible place to be relative to, you know, medieval settings, right? The, the hospital can do amazing things for us, um, but you don't want to be there and you right. should do everything you can to prevent that for as long as possible. And so, like I said, that kicked off about a two-year investigation, really, of trying to understand why does the body fail at some point? And mm -hmm. seemingly, why do some bodies, 
right? Not fail. You see these 86-year-old um, individuals in the blue zones or, you know, all over the place doing incredible feats, right? And then you see these others who are using walkers and, and have totally lost their mobility. They're struggling with all sorts of chronic illnesses. They're on a whole regime of antibiotics and, or I should say, uh, prescription medicines. And so I was really curious about that. So that led me to a plant-based diet. And five years later, all of our work since. So wow. a long story, but you asked me both my background and how I got here. So I had to give you the the two. No, answers. I I'm sorry for your grandfather. I know that's that's Thank really you. hard. My uh, my grandmother lived with us for eight years. My husband and I, and she had a breast cancer and a stroke, and then. Um, my father-in-law, my mother-in-law lived with us for six years. He had lung cancer, died in our home. So I understand that end of it as a patient or a patient's family and watching someone suffer needlessly. And um, I agree. So when I work with patients, I'm always telling them, like, listen, my job is not to have you come back and refill a prescription. My job is for you not to need me anymore. Um, you know, so I think our medicine is, and especially in the Western, we're so good at acute medicine. Someone is in a car accident, someone's in, you know, injured where we can take care of them, but we're so lacking in our chronic disease management. We can make you live a little longer, but like you said, we're limping along. We're not living high quality of life. And so I think that's phenomenal. So tell us a little bit about your other businesses that you're involved in now that, you know, are you've aligned with your passions and, and your, your vision. Well, uh, so my primary focus is uh, a business called Complement, and uh, so we create vitamins that are designed to complement a plant-based diet, and I can get into that a little bit more. Uh, and then the other one is a, a website called No Meat Athlete, and we really focus on uh, creating resources, uh, whether that's training plans, nutrition guides, etc., cetera, um, for either the plant-based athlete or the vegan weekend warrior, right? So um, it's a very open approach in terms of hoping to appeal to a wide range of, of tastes um, and, and very welcoming in the sense that you don't have to be vegan, but we certainly want to encourage a, a plant-based uh, approach to nutrition. Um, so happy to, to delve into either of those or talk a little bit more about compliment or how I arrived there. Yeah, definitely with compliment because um, so my family are using that now, which is amazing because I get a lot of questions regarding, you know, what uh, supplements should I be taking? And so I direct them toward you at this point because I know we've we've corresponded before and met before and talked about that. So I think it's it's brilliant. And so I love it. So, um, you know, instead of saying, oh, buy this, 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 and this, she's like, go buy this. (laughs) And um in the, the show notes, everyone, there will be a link to the website, and um, I do encourage everyone to, to give it a try. But tell us a little bit how you felt like this was an important thing to take sure. on. Starting a supplement, I mean, that's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work to do it right. It's yeah. not a lot of work to just do it. And that is what we pride ourselves on. You know, I, I have a little boy. My partner, Matt Frazier, um, has two little kids. And so our metric is really, you know, we won't create something that we wouldn't give to our own kids. Um, now, for uh, uh, you know, full disclosure, my child is eight months old and is still breastfeeding. We're, we're just uh, 
introducing, you know, some whole foods like avocados and you know, that sort of thing. So not quite at the point where I'm giving him protein powder, <laughs> but um, it's, that is the, the really important metric that we think about. And as my wife is uh, nursing currently, you know, we do have to think about, you know, the heavy metal content in her blood and what she's using as a supplement. And so, like I say, to do it right really does take a tremendous amount of time. Um, but just to back up and, and uh, briefly share the story. Um, so I was vegan for two, three years. Um, I, I'm a bit of a nerd and, uh, and very much into self-experimentation. So I was consistently getting blood tests, you know, somewhere between every three and six months. And all of a sudden, um, those blood tests didn't look so good anymore. And I had this, um, uh, what was diagnosed as rheumatoid-like inflammation. And I was told to go see a rheumatologist. A rheumatologist wanted me to go on all these uh, um, prescription meds. And I just thought this can't be right, right? Like I read Ornish and Campbell and Esselstyn, like everybody says that I'll have this glowing health if I just eat plants. How could this not be working? And so yet again, had to go into a, a, a deep research stage um, and figured out that, you know, a lot of people are talking about it more so now than they were, you know, three years ago. Um, but there are supplemental needs uh, to a plant-based diet. Um, I always like to add that uh, there is supplemental needs for any diet, right? Because we all fall into these patterns of eating. And depending on what those favorite foods are, you're likely to be deficient in certain nutrients um, more so than others. And so it's just really important that people get a blood test. They work with qualified health professionals such as you to interpret those labs and to figure out what is the right set of foods, supplements, other nutrients, what have you, um, because we all have you know, a different metabolism. We all have different needs, different genetics. And like I say, um, for me, it was clear that something wasn't working. And so what I looked at was what nutrients aren't in plants. And what you come uh, to is that uh, vitamin D3, uh, which comes from the sun. And so if you wear clothing, if you work in an office, if you drive in a car or if you live in a house, you're probably not getting the same amount of sun exposure as our sub-Saharan African ancestors were, were running around naked in the sun. Right, that's just a fact. Um, there's also, I think, the uh, the line is between San Diego and Boston, or Miami and Portland, somewhere in there, um, where uh, if you're north of that, uh, your your uh, kind of exposure to the sun is that much more um, uh, sort of inadequate for that vitamin D synthesis. Um, so, vitamin D really important. Uh, from what I hear, a lot of uh, uh, the U.S. is deficient regardless of their, you know, eating habits. Um, so I started using vitamin D. I also found that um, two long-chain amino acids, DHA and EPA, um, omega-3s, uh, sorry, did I say amino acid? I meant omega-3 fatty acids, really important distinction, um, are just not uh, readily available in the plants that we're eating, at least in the Western Hemisphere. Um, they come from sea vegetables. So there's a chance that if you're eating a lot of seaweed, uh, you may be getting some of it, but it is a fatty acid and there's not a lot of fat in seaweed. So you would have to consume a tremendous quantity 
to get the adequate amount of DHA and EPA. And I think that is actually what was leading to my inflammation. Um, so I added that back in, uh, in supplemental form. Um, I, I did not attempt the, uh, the seaweed route. <laughs> um, and then of course, B12, which gets a lot more press uh, in the vegan community. So I won't spend time on it, but suffice it to say that we've decimated our soils. And as a result, our soil bacteria um, and unless you're eating handfuls of, of you know, soil directly, um, you're just not getting B12. And it is critically important for neurological health. Um, and so I did experience the tingly toes sensation as well. Um, it's really scary. And, uh, and yeah, so when looking at this and saying, all right, you can get every nutrient that you need from plants, except for these three, why aren't these three in a single product, right? It would make my life so much easier. And as we started looking into it and, and finding out all of the um, really disconcerting ways that supplements are created and, you know, the fillers or preservatives or flavoring, it's just, we, we decided there was a better way to go about it. And so I partnered with Matt Frazier, the founder of No Meat Athlete, and uh, he immediately agreed with this sort of, uh, philosophy and thought it was a no-brainer. And so we really set about figuring out how do we produce this thing. Um, and so we made it a spray so you can literally complement your salad or what have you. Um, and we've since expanded that formula to include one that uh, touches on some of the harder to get, uh, but not impossible to get nutrients on a plant-based diet. So, uh, you know, zinc, K2, etc. So I can go a little bit more into that, but since I'm not um, the credentialed medical professional, I, I feel like I'm already overstepping. So maybe I'll leave. No, it. no, 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 no. <laughs> so everything you said is absolutely true. So I, it's interesting that you said, so I found that kind of with experimentation as well with patients. So um, I made sure that we were supplementing B12 and I told patients that, but it, and of course, vitamin D just comes mm. with just any physician will tell you, look for vitamin D. But what's interesting about that though you know, I, I like using the philosophy of, well, where are we naturally, right? So when women are breastfeeding, like your wife, what dose in her blood needs to be her vitamin D, for example, for she doesn't need to, you know, supplement, like when is it, when's her level high enough that it's actually in the breast milk? Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. um, which is around 70 to 75. Uh, right. level. So um, many people are just, you know, they just say 30 to 35, but it's actually, if you push that up a little bit, so just for some, but you can also be too toxic in vitamin D twos, which I've seen as well. So there is that, that range, that optimal range, but I had patients who switched to plant-based diet and they began to have hand pain, even though they were on B12 in vitamin mm -hmm. D, but they were having um, joint discomfort, but it's mostly in their hands, which is really interesting and I said, you know, I think this might be an omega-3 issue. And so we started supplementing them with algae omega-3 and I put ground flaxseed and um, their pain went away. So I'd, be, I'd say I've maybe had about in the last seven and a half years, 10 people that that's happened. So I don't think these people convert ALA to the long chain very well, the short chain to the long chain, so, which is really interesting. Um, so we, my family uses your, your product. We use the full the full comp what's it? it's it's called the compliment plus compliment plus okay compliment plus the extras <laughs> plus the extras and so it's the k2 and the zinc and the iodine and all that stuff, which is really good and speaking to that hospital thing you know because my my youngest gabriel hit a tree last year with um 
a snowboard. Huh. <laughs> Long story in Boulder. And, um, but anyway, I was here for a month taking care of him for 30 days too. But, you know, that nutrition was so key. I mean, we pounded the research and it's like, what can help with bone health and healing? And we made sure he had all of those vitamins and mm. um, smoothies and covered everything you can imagine. He did phenomenally well. I mean, he just surprised even his surgeon and the physical therapy. Uh. So, so very, very important that people understand, you know, so I have a little mantra. It's like, you know, you want to eat optimally, right? Which is a whole food plant-based diet of a variety of colors, but you also want to supplement wisely. And so you need that full to get you over that hundred percent. You might be 98% with your diet, but you need a little extra, very important 2%. So right, um, right. I love how you, you mentioned that. So what made you decide to add the compliment plus? Because can you just kind of go into that? And your scientists sound, so please feel free to sound <laughs> as much as you like or lack it. It's up to you. But I, I think it's important just for people to understand there is some things to be aware of. Yeah. Um, well, Dr. Joel Kahn is our medical advisor and a dear friend, and mm -hmm. he is one of the uh, biggest I, proponents of K2. Um, I adore Dr. Kahn. <laughs> yeah, he's a brilliant guy and, and one of those uh, guys that – um, you sit down and, and he speaks so quickly, but with such authority that you walk away just saying like, I think I learned more from him at that dinner than I did in college, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so in any event, um, you know, that was uh, something that he had been encouraging us towards um, from the very start. And, uh, um, but it didn't fit the compliment philosophy, right? Mm. Which is, um, there is nothing in there except for a little bit of vitamin E, which is a natural preservative, right? And, uh, and a little bit of uh, natural flavor, because uh, otherwise it tastes like seaweed. And, and as it turns out, we went with that route, right? We went with the most minimal, uh, minimalistic uh, product possible. Um, and immediately, you know, although we were thanked for that approach, people said, this tastes like seaweed. <laughs> So it was an extremely clean uh, product and K2 just didn't fit in there. Um, and so we thought, okay, but there is really good science for why K2 is so important. Again, not just for vegans or plant-based individuals, um, but for any number of, of uh, Westerners, I'll say, because you can get K2 from a fermented uh, soy dish called natto. Um, from what I've heard, it uh, is a combination of like fermenting cheese and uh, shoe leather, like a really pungent, very much an acquired taste and something that we clearly are not eating on a regular basis in the Western hemisphere. <laughs> so um, we thought, okay, K2 is important. You know, let's think about a second formulation that maybe expands it. So for the person who is a diehard whole food only and just that extra 2% as necessary, um, they can use compliment. And then for the person who says, yeah, well, you know, for instance, you know, our, our soils are being decimated, you know, and, and so maybe the amount of selenium or magnesium or zinc is not quite where it once was, you know, or for instance, zinc in particular, um, the bioavailability of that nutrient is questionable because of um, a blocking agent called phytates, right? And so there are ways to um, ameliorate that issue if you soak your beans, for instance. Um, but how many of us are soaking our beans, right? Um, if you go to Chipotle, did they soak their beans, right? Mm -hmm. So 
we started thinking about each of these nutrients and kind of separated them into a second category where it was, look, you can get these from, from a whole food plant-based diet. There's no question about that, but you might not be uh, for some reason, right? Either because they're not as bioavailable um, or they're not as abundantly uh, present in our environment or for some other reason, right? And so we, we decided to package these up um, and K2 is a great example, just to circle back to that. I think it is really important for people to, to understand that you can get vitamin K from your leafy greens. That's what everyone always brings up when we talk about this stuff. And, and I have to emphasize that that's vitamin K1, right? Mm-hmm. There's K1 from your leafy greens. There's K2 from this fermented soy dish. And then there's K3 which is actually a synthetic form, which we very much do not recommend because we don't like synthetic things. Um, but K2 you know, is really important because the way I think about it, thanks to Dr. Khan, um, is that it, it helps to pull calcium from your soft tissues, like your heart, right? You don't want calcification of your arteries, the hardening, and it pulls it from those soft tissues into your teeth or your bones, which you know, it sounds like for your son is a really important thing is they, you know, uh, either for, for growing or just for preventing osteoporosis or from healing from an injury. It's just super important. Well, your bones are, they're dynamic living things. So I think people just think of bones as, Oh, I have a bone, but there's constant. It's like, I always say there's a construction crew. They're either building or breaking down your, your bone, depending on your needs at the moment. Like, do you need more calcium breaking it down? Do you have too much building up? So yeah, the K2 is very, very important. And some individuals that I, I have read about case studies that were raw vegans, very strict and eat Mm -hmm. some other things. Not that you can't do that, but you know, I'm a big fan of whole foods across the spectrum. They were having dental issues. And so um, which is, 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 which is unfortunate that they would abandon a healthier diet and just start, you know, thinking about, well, why am I missing that component? So, you know, right. you can go extremes in either way, um, eating meats and, you know, carnivore diet, and then there's the raw fruit only diet. And so, you know, let's, I like, like I said, I'm a big fan of science. Where do people thrive? Right. In the blue zone? They're eating this whole food plant-based diet. And again, like you said, you know, supplement wisely. And so I, I really applaud what you've done. I think that's amazing. It's just such a wonderful thing to be able to refer people to. And um, like I said, we'll definitely have the link to your product because I think it's phenomenal. I give it to my children who are adults. So um. that's good to hear. Like I said, that's the most important metric. You know, we do all the proposition 65 for heavy metals and, you know, uh, you know, the microbiology tests, the stability testing, we, we test these things out the wazoo. But at the end of the day, for me, you know, there is no higher threshold than what I give to my child, right? Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. Uh, and I think, like I said, that's our philosophy and, uh, and we don't intend to change it. Um, I will say just briefly, uh, you know, what you, you mentioned about folks having these challenges, whether they're dental or otherwise, and mm-hmm. then they you know, radically go the other direction away from a plant-based diet. That was one of our main sort of um, uh, call motivations when we developed this. I was in an Uber with an individual who um, the driver was sharing that he had been a uh, raw vegan for like five years, 
um, vegan for I think 11 and was just, you know, low energy, felt really bad, went to a doctor. The doctor said, um, your body needs, uh, I, I think it was red meat or fish, whatever it was, you know, he, he ate it and he said that, you know, a veil had, had lifted, right? Um, it was fish, I, I recall now. Because uh, I made that connection in my mind. Well, yeah, you're you're getting an influx of that DHA and EPA, which it sounds like you didn't get for 11 years. No wonder your body was struggling in all these ways, you know. And right. and so he said, well, if my body needs fish. Maybe my body needs red meat. And so he went and he had you know a, a big steak or something. And of course, when you get an injection of heme iron like that, you know, you probably felt like the Hulk, you know. And right. and so. That was it, right? He's no longer vegan. And so that was one of the kind of wake-up calls in my mind to say that, you know, I was lucky. You know, I, I was working with some really smart doctors who knew I was there to be challenged, you know, and, and um, at the same time, you know, felt really confident in my understanding of the science. But how many others, right, are, are not engaged with folks like you, but instead go and see that doctor who says, just go eat some fish and some steak and you'll be fine. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that just isn't the answer in my view. Right. So part of that too, with the energy issue is especially when they go, and that was kind of my mistake as, as I evolved. So Dr. Khan's amazing. He's been a very dear friend of mine for some time. Actually, was just talking to him yesterday. And, yeah. um, <laughs> yeah, I, I send him yeah. all, like, all sorts of questions. Great. He's so responsive. Um, but you know, what's interesting is that in the beginning of this, so there was no training, um, so, so to speak on, okay, you're a physician and you want to help people transition to a whole food plant-based diet. This is what you need to do. And it was like, oh, well, <laughs> he's going to figure this out on your own. And, um, yeah. So luckily I had some very kind patients that were willing to let me experiment on them. And so, but my verbiage was really important too. Cause when they, or when someone reads something, they don't think about the calories. So they, when we switched over to a whole food plant-based diet, people think, oh, you mean fruits and vegetables. So they would just eat fruits and vegetables and then they're hungry and tired and fatigued. So they're not getting enough calories to sustain them. So that's when the work of Dr. McDougall was important for me to understand like, ah, he had written some articles on, you know, starchy vegetables and helping with energy is like, oh, okay, calorie density. I need to look at a few other things. And, you know, that's where it really, how I shape my message and help people transition to a full complement of using that word a lot, compliment of a variety and color of foods from all these food groups is so very important. And building those meals around starchy vegetables and legumes and things like that and whole grains the sustain with the addition of the fruits and vegetables. So really, really important to you. That might be part of the issue along with, of course, missing those components that, you know, that are in your complement plus. So really, really important that people hear this message for sure. So, cause you want to feel good. I mean, I'm, I'm getting old, so I feel really good at this age. So I think it's really important that people understand you can feel good. You just have to be thinking about what you're putting in your mouth. Cause I mean, even if they feel better with the, you know, the meat and the, the chicken or whatever they're eating, the problem is there are arteries aren't going to feel better. The risk for cancers, the risk for diabetes, they're going to be sick, you know, right. at some point. So um, my goal is to live long, die quick, you know, at the end, <laughs> live your lifespan, get it done. You're onto a better yeah. place. So, <laughs> yeah. So, it's a good motto. Yeah, absolutely. So probably not in a hospital, as I say. No, not in a hospital. You know, um, 
I, I think we've just accepted chronic disease as the norm. Yeah. And so we are okay with, you know, a 23 year old being pre-diabetic and then by 33 full diabetic with hypertension and high cholesterol. And, you know, speaking of Uber drivers, I had an Uber driver yesterday that couldn't have been over 35 and um, she already had a permanent disability, you know, placard hanging from her mirror. And I'm just thinking, Uh. now granted, I don't know her history, but she was walking with no assisted devices, no cane or anything. She got out of her car, walked around. Um, So, but it it saddens me to think how young, I mean, obviously there might be something else that I'm not aware of, but I certainly do know of others. It's because they're morbidly obese or they're struggling because of arthritic issues and they're in their forties and fifties. And it's so unnecessary because you see these amazing improvements of health when people start eating well. And um, well, I think it'll be one of the, the defining challenges of our time. And it absolutely breaks my heart. You know, uh, when I look at some of the topics being debated at like the presidential election level. Right. And, uh, not to say that there are some important ones, you know, minimum wage, healthcare, et cetera. These, these are important topics. But at the same time, you know, I think the last statistic I saw was something like 100 million Americans have prediabetes. Or maybe that's, you know, we're on track for that, whatever it is. Mm. More, great. Yeah, it's like 93 million. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 93 million now have type, you know, diabetes or prediabetic. And they think okay, in right. 20 to 30 years, it'll be at half of us. Um, right. So if you think about the ramifications of that financially, there is just, I mean, we are already raising the debt ceiling and, uh, you know, just to spend at our current levels, there is no way to take care of, you know, everything. And and those are decade long. My sister's a type one diabetic. She was diagnosed when uh, she was eight years old. I was five. So We've lived with this forever. I'm doing a 100-mile bike race to raise money for the JDRF, actually. Mm. Um, and and when, I tell, when I hear these things about type 2 diabetics, and I, I'm a little callous, admittedly, because I look at it as a, a disease of lifestyle um, versus a disease like my sister's, which was whatever you want to call it, you know, a, a genetic predisposition, if you mm-hmm. will. And I think about what these people are going to deal with because I've seen it with my sister. It is absolutely heart wrenching, Mm -hmm. you know, and the fact that we know the, we know the solution, right? You're out there talking about it. There's individuals who have cured type two diabetes left and right through good nutrition. And the fact that, you know, we're, our public discourse, right, is debating these most asinine topics. And we're not looking at just one, just one of the many chronic diseases that is on such a steep increase that it will bankrupt this country within a decade. It's, right. it's really scary. Right. Well, we're already bankrupt pretty much. But <laughs> yeah. the problem, but it, right, it goes even more than the financial strains. So these are you got to look at, well, what does diabetes increase your risk for? Heart disease, stroke, cancers. So that leads to the point that now, right now, 18 to 35-year-olds, which may encompass you, I don't know, but it encompasses my three children, um, they have the highest risk of colon cancer than any other cohort in the United States. So 18 to 35-year-olds have double the risk of colon cancer and quadruple the risk of rectal cancer than myself and my parents and grandparents. So when is that okay? You know, 
And if you, and I share this, it's interesting. I share this in Facebook groups with other physicians and they go, well, what's the cause? I'm like, well, what are we eating? What that's, what's in coming in touch with your colon. It's like, oh no, it must be something else. I'm like, oh no, it's not. <laughs> Sometimes the easiest answer is the right one, you know? <laughs> Exactly. What about our national security or nobody's going to be joining the military? I was on, you know, in the Air Force and we would be kicking people out with, you know, insulin dependent diabetes or right. heart disease. Didn't a group of, uh, I remember in one of the many books from all of our uh, thought leaders in this space um, had a list of like concerning trends like that. And one was a group of surgeons saying that um, uh, C-section births were becoming harder because of the amount of fat effectively, right? Visceral fat around the organs that you need access to, to pull that off, right? I mean, okay. and then the other one was, um, I think it was a set of generals actually saying that, you know, the recruits coming in were not up to, you know, uh, a- adequate shape, right? And it's mm-hmm. like, these are, the, the, these are the directions that we're heading and it's really disconcerting. Absolutely. It's, it's unfortunate. It really, really is. And, you know, I have a friend of mine that's a labor and delivery nurse for three, 30 plus years. And Karen is saying that now they've had to set up new guidelines because so many women are morbidly obese and giving birth that they, they're inducing labor and C-sections earlier. So now we're taking the baby out of the oven much earlier, which increases risk for other things, the risk right. of the C-section, you know, and then they're not getting the introduction of, you know, the vaginal flora that helps start them off on the right track with their gut flora because babies' GI mm-hmm. systems are, are sterile till they're born. So right. then you have increased risk for asthma and allergies and all these other type of things with your immunity you know, who knows with autoimmune disease. So there's so many things that we're setting ourselves up to literally, <laughs> you, I mean, there could be nobody come into this country and say, you know, I want to bring down, well, you know, we're talking about the United States because we're in the United States, right. so this is everywhere. But, you know, if, if you had someone who could, wanted to decimate a culture or a society, <laughs> we're doing a good job of it ourselves. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Just on what we're eating. And so, you know, I, there's not going to be a workforce when I get old and I'm ready to collect those social security, nobody's going to be there to, you know? So it's just, um, it's, it's, it's frightening. I worry about our future for, you know, not only my children, but kids, your, you know, your children's age. Um, you know, someday I might have grandchildren. We'll see. But, um, yeah, I, I, boy, it's so sad. So so what's the solution? You know, we were talking about some of the internal rifts and, uh, in our community, and I really do think if I may go on the soapbox again. Do it. Go um, for it. You know, I, I think going back to what I said about education, right, that's what it comes down to. And the challenge, though, is that as a, call it, plant-based community, we don't have the sort of cohesive message that, say, you see in sort of the ancestral eating, you know, whether that's paleo or keto, you know, I don't know, but what I will say is that when you look at the folks promoting a plant-based diet, um, I don't think there are two that agree on, on all points. And I think that is really destructive to the momentum that we're gaining because you have these, you know, in, big hearted, incredible individuals like Sean Monson, you know, who's, uh, you know, creating documentaries like Cowspiracy and he's a friend, you know, again, 
wonderful guy, but he is so dedicated to the animals, like many vegans out there, that he doesn't really care what he eats. And that is an amazing thing for, for him. And, and I shouldn't you know, uh, infer anything about someone else, but, but I would go so far as to suggest that there is a, a kind of archetype for the vegan who cares more about the animals than they care about themselves. Likewise, the environmentalist who cares more about the planet than they do themselves. And then you have the plant-based eaters, right? Right. And, and they actually maybe care about humans more than they care about themselves. And they're out there talking about all the health benefits. Mm-hmm. But in it, just in that small category, you have all of these internal uh, controversies, whether it's right. like you know, nuts are too caloric. So if you're trying to lose weight, don't eat nuts. You know, oil is refined, so don't eat oil. You know, and it's like, well, sugar is bad for you. It's bad for everybody. It has nothing to do with the plant-based diet. Don't eat sugar, right? So you whittle yourself down to a message where it's like, you know, it, it is so unappetizing and, and just does not, um, I, I would say, is a non-starter for your mainstream consumer, you know? Right. And so... That, I think, is one of our greatest challenges as we look at how do we get more than 100 million pre-diabetics or type 2 diabetics to understand that what they eat really, really matters. And if you eat a whole food plant-based diet, there's plenty of studies out there that suggest that you will improve your A1C, you'll reduce your, your blood sugar on a daily basis. But yet then they pick up some book and it's like no oil, no, no nuts, no sugar, no refined carbohydrates, no fun, no smiling. It's like you're never going to get people to, you know, even attempt that. Right. So anyway. Well, I think you did a really nice job of defining the problem. Right. So we have these these sections or segments of an overarching no animal product diet. Right. So you have the vegans who can eat Oreos and Dr. Peppers, who are animal rights activists. They're just eating to sustain themselves enough to go and save the animals, which I applaud and I agree. That's absolutely amazing, sacrificial, the most loving and kind people, right? They love those who can't defend themselves. Then we have, like you said, the environmentalists who are maybe more vegetarian, but they're still not quite on maybe board with a completely plant-based diet. You know, they're just like, we got to stop using consumerism and all the destructive things that we're doing environmentally, pushing different, you know, alternative energy sources, those type of things. Um, again, amazing people have a, a passion for longevity of the planet that we live on. I applaud their efforts. Then you do have these others who are strictly whole food plant-based, right? They move to a diet because often health challenges, right? So then they're looking at was spreading this message, but then you have these cohorts of no no oil, no nuts, no this, no that, strictly fruit, whatever. Um, so I agree. Think these we can put them in a big circle and say we all want one thing: we all want to live well in a healthy environment in a place that <laughs> our uh-huh. children can grow as well. I think the overarching theme. If I have someone as a physician who is ill with diabetes, heart disease, whatever, if I put them on a whole food plant-based diet and I talk to them as a human saying, you know, let's look at your health. But when you do these things, not only does your health benefit, but our planet's health benefit, you know, animals, whatever, 
that's, that's also, these are added benefits, but the main thing that I think where people need to focus is our behavior. So we need to jump on, how can we make this a long-term behavior that's enjoyable? Cause we are humans. We will seek pleasure, avoidance of pain, but how do we do that long-term? And that's where we got to show that food is delicious, but it's also healthy. My greater concern is also is from the general mainstream people who may not even be ill yet, but the majority of Americans have some precursors to ill, to chronic disease. If, hundred percent of 10 year olds in the U S have already delaying down the, you know, the fatty acids for plaque in your arteries. We all need to be on a whole food plant based diet. But mm-hmm. the, the concern here is the, um, you know, what, what can I do for those mainstream? They go buy the beyond burger and don't get me wrong. I'm glad those are there. There's environmentally, that's going to have a huge impact as far as, you know, animals and stuff, but it's higher in saturated fats. This is going to push our human health, over the edge. Do you know what I mean? So I think we need some type of that, 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 that's going to be the tough one is those who move to, okay, so I'm going to eat more, more plant-based, but they're just as sick as they were if they stayed to a standard American diet because we're eating this processed food too. So the message has to be clear, whole food, plant-based. Obviously, if you have weight issues, I'm a fan of avoiding oil because it is a processed food, but you know, minimal nuts, you can eat nuts, but you know, be careful. You can't just go eat the whole bag if you want to lose weight. But adding nuts and those type of things seems are fine. But fruits, vegetables, beans, whole grains, nuts, and seeds. That's where, that's where I found the most success and people can sustain this long-term. And it gives them the variety of foods to make delicious, delicious recipes. And so, but I agree, that is, that is a challenge. We have got a big, big challenge bringing everybody on board with the same idea. But when we get vegans that are just as sick as someone who's eating an omnivorous diet, well, who's going to want that message? Well, I can't have my steak and be sick. I might as well eat my steak and be sick too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It's so, uh, like I said, one of the defining challenges of our time, I think. It'll be... Uh, it's a big one. <laughs> scary, but interesting to see how this one plays out. It will be interesting, and I think it, it will, it'll probably play out long beyond my lifespan. Um, but I think we're laying the groundwork right now and we're starting to see momentum, which is encouraging because people are understanding that what they eat can have a huge impact. And what's fun though, is seeing like you, you made one choice based on your experience, but now look, you're going to be impacting thousands upon thousands of people just because now you've taken your skill set and built, you know, company that will help us, you know, complement with the right the supplements that make people stay well, even on a whole food plant-based diet, which is amazing. Um, but those ripple effects, right? Those are really fun. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you saying so. We're certainly trying and that is uh, where we focus every day is how to get this message out. And like I said, with regards to that Uber driver, you know, it is so important, um, you know, and for me, right, when I made the transition to a whole food plant-based diet, uh, which is different when I made the transition to a vegan lifestyle. You know, um, I tell you, it was a radical change. And when I went vegan, I lost a bunch of weight. I felt better. Um, and it was one of those eye-opening experiences because I didn't realize I didn't feel good. You know, and I think that goes back to, you know, the, uh, the 10-year-olds you brought up um, that already show, you know, some of the precursors to heart disease, you know, and and I look at, you know, my family, my friends, you know, um, my former self, and you just don't even realize, you know, that 
you're compensating for a what would otherwise be kind of ill health or the feelings around that with a ton of caffeine to get through the day. I mean, that was my story, at least. I was, um, you know, uh, running a company at that time. We had 15, 16 employees. And, you know, I, I was um, still am very young for that kind of a job and uh, did anything I could, you know, to be able to focus there. So I ate um, or didn't eat anything in front of me, you know, um, but a ton of caffeine, right? And I never knew you know, what it felt like to just wake up, you know, do some meditation, do some stretching, you know, take some deep breaths, you know, just kind of feel good, you know? And then when you do have that caffeine, as I still very much enjoy, you know, then you really get the you know, kind of huge energy boost that like, again, I was just sort of like nursing an injury. I think, uh, was it Furman or Ornish or something that, you know, they've got a great line saying that, um, you know, when someone's hitting their leg with a hammer, you Spider. know, just take away the hammer, right? Like, just stop making the issue worse, right? And uh, and I think that truly is how we're all, um, uh, our relationship with food, it, you know, can really be encapsulated with something like that, right? Whereas we just don't even know that our leg, you know, is, is bloodied and mangled because we've been hitting it with a hammer every single day. And when you take that away and it starts to heal and you feel this sort of natural effervescence that we should all be enjoying, you know, but it's so hard to communicate that, right? You sound like a quack. When I tell some of my friends who, you know, are, are continuing on um, a pleasure-filled lifestyle, to say the least, and, uh, you know, I'm saying like, hey, you know, the, the natural way is actually really great too. They're like, yeah, but that's really hard, you know, and this works great too. So, you know, that's that. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, so I think there's two points here. I, I love what you mentioned was, you know, this repetitive injury, right? So you go to the doctor and I, I think it's Dr. Gregor and Furman may have a, they might have two spins off of it, but you know, you go to the doctor and it's like, Hey, my leg's hurting. Mm-hmm. And the doctor's like, Hmm, well, yeah. let me put a bandaid on it for you. There you go. But they go home. They never mentioned stop hitting your leg on the, the end table. And you go home and you kick it again and the you still come back. Well, my leg's still hurting. Hmm. Let me give you exactly. <laughs> Instead of saying, Well, let's go to this root cause and right, right. Hey, you know what? I think you should stop hitting your leg on the table. And you know, so when I explain that to patients when I do use medications, I say like, this is a bridge. It's a bridge from here to point from point A to point B. And my goal is for us to turn off the water so you don't need a bridge anymore, right? So if you have this overflood of illness, we'll go up and turn off the faucet, you know, not just try to mop it up. So, you know, and they using those illustrations makes a really impact on patients. And so I think they begin to understand. And, um, but, uh, you know, I think there's different messages when we use our education. So if I have a younger, healthier generation talking to them talking about the environment and the world you're in you're going to be inheriting but we want you healthy for the long term and this is how we need to do it and so i think when we bring that message into young i think honestly one of the main answers is getting to kids in this, these young families um because that really is going to be key and um 
So that's part of the reason I do this, right? To share messages like yours and others. And I'll be interviewing, um, her name is Jill Steinbeck and they're working with uh, schools actually. And they have like these guides they just happen to have here that they're bringing into schools and sharing the message of healthy eating. Because when you have a little one come home and go, I don't want SpaghettiOs. I want to go eat some fruits and vegetables. The parent's going to go, huh? <laughs> right. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Well, I couldn't agree more. Like I said, education is the key. And, and uh, one day I'm going to return to that question. And because uh, I just think, you know, when you, uh, our, our way of schooling was fundamentally designed, you know, to accommodate the cultural and, or I should say, the societal needs of uh, an industrialized workforce. Well, mm -hmm. the workforce has radically changed, right? Our, our need for kids, um, in terms of the, uh, in terms of what our kids need to learn, I should say, have radically changed. Our in interaction with information, you know, Google, just as an example, right? And yet, our way of teaching, you know, for that matter, uh, the information that we're teaching hasn't really changed all that much in the past century, you know? And so when you think about what are the skill sets, what are the topics that are really important, you know, not only to equip children to uh, compete in a globalized workforce as we now enjoy, um, but at the same time also, what are the key topics and skill sets that they need in order for us as a society to head off some of those really big challenges like we talked about type 2 diabetes you know the fact that uh, uh students don't learn about nutrition right i mean uh, okay so they might touch on it in biology you know relative to you know how a cell uses atp conversion i mean just nonsense and if i wanted to i could look up in, uh, in a three-minute video on youtube get that refresher and go use it in my daily life because I have a huge need to understand the inner workings of a uh, cell. Um, you know, I just think that we're really, you know, and obviously it goes all the way up to medical school, which you can speak mm -hmm. to, which much more fluency. You know, the fact that we just have a total disregard for nutrition. Right. Well, and my daughter's in medical school, so she's in her third year. So she just started her clinical rotations in July. She's um, So all my kids are plant-based, thank goodness. Um, so they're 25, 23, and one one's almost 21. So those are the, you know, when I speak to Emily and she's talking about that and she gets excited, she's, you know, some of her classmates, she's converted to plant-based eating and, you know, she's still learning one, how to be a doctor, but that message now of nutrition is there for her. And so um, I'm eager to see what she does with it as she goes into practice, clinical practice, because she's going to be seeing these younger and more complicated cases. So, you know, it's one thing to be dealing in medicine. It's hard to be a doctor now, especially in primary care. So it's not just the, you know, administrative burden that we're dealing with, like, oh, you have a new EMR, you have to take care of all this, and there's more, you know, less money to go around and your capitated systems and all that. That's one thing. But when I get, you know, from 20 years ago to my practice now, my 45-year-old is not the same 45-year-old. My 45-year-old now has had a heart attack, has asthma, has COPD, has, you know, morbid obesity, had maybe cancer. They may have definitely diabetes. Their joint pain is hurting. Their chronic pain, their chronic headaches, they're fatigued, they're depressed, they're anxious. That's different. I'm serious. This is my normal daily patient. Who's yeah. I'm like, I'm thinking, what, what, this is not it. 
this is, we're not me. This is not meant to be the human experience. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, um, when I speak to them, I was like, did you know there's another path for you? There is a different reality that is literally bites away. And so that's how it's so important that we, we shape our message saying your reality now, like you said, you didn't know you were, you didn't know how good you could feel or that you didn't feel well to be so different. I was like, give me those 30 days, give me those six weeks, but we need to make it easy for people to consume. Like you said, the education and make it not so overwhelming. Cause once we get too overwhelmed, we shut down and just go back to what we already know. So that's the key is make this so simple and easy. And then they feel so good. They're like, I want more. Right. So how do you do that? <laughs> so how do I do that? I do it by steps. So I depend on who the person is. Like for me, I'm quick. I'm a, I'm an early adopter. I jumped on this overnight, (laughs) brought the whole family with me. Yeah. The luckily my, and you've met my husband. He's super sweet and nice. Like one of the kindest people you'll ever meet. He's just like, you're still cooking. Right. And I'm like, yep. He goes, okay. And he lost 50 pounds in three months. You know, um, the kids were a little bit, yeah. My kids were already groomed to eat what I made. They didn't give me grief. Um, when we went out to eat, they'd order whatever they wanted, which may still have included meat and stuff. But as I educated them, they would all move to the plant-based diet. Um, but, you know, they gave me some challenges, but they were never disrespectful or anything because that's how I'd raise my kids. Um, but for me, it was overnight. But others, it's a much more long transition, right? So you give them step-by-step guidance. And um, over doing this for almost eight years now on a daily basis with patients, I certainly learned how to speak to people. Now, there will be people who say, no, I don't want to. And those are fine. That is their choice. But I've laid the, the foundation with a, a seed of knowledge and like, you know, I'm going to, maybe I'll come back to that in a year when they're really sick or something happens, you know, you've created that little potential opening, but the majority of people that I get are open to the message, but you have to speak to their needs and desires. Right. So, um, let's say I have, I can just come up with so many different, let's say I have a 35 year old mom of two teenagers, single mom, she's on a budget, um, fatigued, maybe anxious and depressed, maybe pre-diabetic, somewhat overweight. That is a very typical pattern that I'll see, like many, many, many. (laughs) Money constraints, time constraints, emotional constraints, because they're doing everything they can just to survive in their mind, right? Mm -hmm. So my thing is, let's save some money. Let's give you some energy. Let's help you sleep and give you, make you feel better in the short-term amount of time. They're like, okay. (laughs) you know what I mean? So, and then we talk about gut biome and how that helps, you know, 90% of your good feeling hormones and maybe that anxiety and depression will get better. Um, and maybe you'll need less medications and then you'll need to see me less and spend less money on your medical bills. So let's talk about what do the peasants eat? Because if they don't have much money, what their health seems to be more radically, you know, when they look across the world, it, there was a, it was really, I can't remember the name of the study, but they were looking at people who the lower income, diets in Africa were healthier than, you know, the higher Western diets that we're eating. So I was like, this can be very easy, but that's where my, my job, I'm talking about going shopping and saving money as a physician. If I'm going to be the the first person to share this message, I need to be prepared to do that. Right. So but that's how I do is like, well, what are your needs, your immediate needs that a plant-based diet can solve? Well, I can get more money in your pocket and I can get more energy in you, which is basically you're talking might as well be talking currency because energy is currency. So that's how you do it. And so, and I just am listening for clues and opportunities to say, you know what, I think I have a plan that might make this better for you. 
give me 30 days. What do you have to lose? Because right now what you were doing is not working. So. Well, I think that's phenomenal and, and certainly speaks to what I hope will be the future of primary care, you know, which I know is a topic that we could spend hours on, but sure, what yeah. you just described, you know, it's a, uh, I mean, it's going to require a radical reimagining of uh, medical school because what you just talked about was, you know, touched on psychology, you know, it, it obviously requires the the basic understanding of health and the like. I mean, there's some social work happening there. You know, there's some financial engineering. There's, you know, maybe uh, some counseling. So this is marketing. (laughs) It's marketing. It really is. This is strictly marketing. I need to be a better product than what you're doing right now. So um, this is, this is how I, so whenever, so I have an MBA as well. (laughs) So um, marketing was one of my favorite things to study because I need to be better at marketing a, a lifestyle that's going to make you live longer in, and I need to make you believe it. So I need you to believe in this, that you need this product so bad that you're willing to do whatever it takes to get it. And if I can do that, so what does marketers do, right? You're a businessman. They're looking at the psychology. They're looking at the social factors. They're doing all of these things. They're looking for the trigger words. They're looking for the opportunity to jump in and say, you need my product. You need my product. That's, yeah. That's how I see it. So. You sound like you're better at it than I am. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, but they're just, you know, but that's when that's why we're doing the healthy human revolution thing is because I think we need to be better at marketing what we know works. You know, we got to right. be better than the keto diet. We got to be better than this. But like you said, we got to build this tribe and, you know, get our message in order or nobody's going to want to join. So <laughs> we got to do better marketing. So I think it all comes back down to, to the marketing. The product is phenomenal. It's just right. how we, we just got to market it better. Yeah. Yeah. You got to get people to take the first step and they'll see how good it is. So exactly. quite a bit to think about actually. <laughs> yeah. Well, good, good. Well, cause I, I'm, I'm continuing to work on my family. We've got, uh, you know, one of my sisters is vegan. She's raising, uh, two little ones. Um, you know, her, her husband, her kids, all, all vegan. My parents have transitioned to a vegetarian diet. You know, everyone has radically improved, uh, their health. My sister, who I mentioned was a type one, um, saw uh, an immediate reduction in her A1C, you know, within a few months, mm-hmm. um, which is a pretty incredible thing, you know, especially considering her, her pancreas is done, you know, yeah. it's not like a type two uh, diabetic who, you know, you make a dietary change and you would expect to see uh, an improvement like that because you can restart some things. So amazing, amazing effects. I lost 30 pounds or so you know, that I didn't realize I had to lose, you know? Um, and so everyone kind of has to find their own path. Like I said, my parents aren't quite there. I've got another sister who I think is hearing the message, but, you know, she's got um, a seven and uh, and a 13-year-old. So hard ages to start to, you know, change dietary patterns, I think. No? Yeah, you, I'll send them to you. <laughs> yeah, no, I really do. Because I think... Um, parents are afraid to parent right now. So, cause we're so busy with just life in general. The last thing we want to do is upset the cart when we don't necessarily think we have to. And so, but I, I would argue that you're laying the foundation for their literally their life. So I think that needs to be the most important message because if I can get a child eating better, 
then I can get them better in school. Their behavior improves. Everything improves in the world. And who's in charge of what goes in your child's mouth is you as a parent. Is this a hard message to hear and you've been doing a crappy job? Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. We've all done our crappy job at times. Trust me. My kids ate Chick-fil-A on more than one occasion as I was going to medical school with three little kids. But Yeah. But you know, exactly. If I could just make it taste like the Chick-fil-A, oh man, we'd have this be a no-brainer easy. Yeah. But that's the important thing now is that I understand that I need to back up and change. It's okay to say, oh, wow, that was the wrong path. I need to back up and change position and go. This is just information. Yeah, okay, I fell there, but guess what? It failure's data. Let's switch around. Don't, don't hold yourself responsible for decisions you were making without all the knowledge. I mean, but now you know. Now let's work on getting these kids healthy because that seven-year-old, that 13-year-old is going to be making decisions every single day for the next five, six years that are laying the like, foundation for potential prediabetes in their 30s or heart attack in their 40s. So very, very, very important. Or colon cancer, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's, um, so I find it very an urgent message. I get very excited, as you can tell. Um, sharing that information with people. So it's so, so very important. So, yeah. Well, it sounds like I have uh, some things to learn from you. I am petrified because, you know, now that my son is starting to eat foods and next thing you know, he's going to be going to a birthday party. And it's like, how do I, you know, manage that situation? And Mm -hmm. my, uh, my partner, Matt Frazier, who I mentioned, um, is an absolutely brilliant guy when it comes to this stuff. You know, I, I spent some time with him. And one of the first uh, trips, I should say, uh, to Asheville, you know, I met his kids. And uh-huh. he was sitting on the counter eating um, carrots before dinner. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's really great. And it's like, they're, it's like candy to them, right? Because right. like, right. that's what they've always known. And, and they've given them the latitude to make their own decisions, even at a very, very young age. I, I think his son is uh, eight now. Um, and, uh, but, but his son at that time, I don't know if he's still doing it, you know, would, uh, journal and meditate in the morning, you know, like I've been working to develop that habit for five years and I still, you know, succumb to like checking my inbox first thing. Cause I'm, you know, stressed and frenetic and like have to really focus on doing that, you know, and this eight year old showing me up. And so. I, I really think that there is such an opportunity for us, you know, collaboratively um, to figure out some of those questions because I, I don't think they're easy. Um, but yeah. as you say, they are so, so important to get right. Right. But they're, but what we're doing now is not working. Yeah, that's so, for sure. Well, that's where we need to infuse the, with parents the permission to do things differently. Mm-hmm. So, and to understand there's a different path because the path their children may be walking down is going to be detrimental long-term. And they, and no parent wants that obviously for their child. And so, um, I, but I, I gotta say, Matt (laughs) is a, is a friend as well. And he's, you know, they're, they, I love what they're doing with their kids, but, um, they're very unique parents. So I think, it's a different personality structure. Like I'm like you type A, get done got to get this busy, you know, for me to sit down and try to meditate, I, it's just not, yeah. I'm not, I can't, I can't meditate. I need moving meditation. Really? Oh yeah. I've, my meditation is running. My meditation is hiking. Um, my meditation is taking care of my plants, you know, or reading. So I, to sit down 
and beat myself up to say I need to have my mind quiet is just not going to work. And I've accepted that about myself and I'm cool with it. I have yeah. a healthy life. I'm happy. I, I do my thing. But for me, it's got to be movement because, you know, we work in front of a computer all the time, but I can't sit still. But yeah, I get that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know we have a hard stop, but we could talk forever. <laughs> anyway, so is there any final message that you might have for someone in all the many areas that we touched upon today that you feel is an important message that you'd like to share? Well, uh, as you say, we've touched on so many important points, education, you know, child rearing and whatever. So I, I think anything that I say would be insufficient, but because you're showing me up as a marketer, you know, I'd be really bad at my job if I didn't encourage everybody to you know, take their health really seriously, engage a qualified health professional like you or anyone else, you know, pick one like me, you know, who disagrees with my lifestyle. That's great. You know, I go in, I get my blood tested on a very regular basis as much as I you know, I sweat, I get red, I almost faint, you know, really hate that. Um, but I do it because it is really like the keyhole that you can look through to understand where you are. Um, and I think, you know, it's just so important to take an active role in your health. And so if you do that and you find out that you think some omega-3s, B12 and vitamin D uh, is lacking from your plant-based diet, check out Complement, um, you know, uh, but, but even if you decide to get those nutrients from elsewhere, you know, natto, seaweed, <laughs> soil, sunshine, great, you know, just get them from wherever you can. Um, it really doesn't matter to me as long as you get them. So I'd say that's my, my parting message. Awesome. And I think that's a very important message is like Dr. Khan says, test, don't guess. I use that a lot with other patients. But absolutely, guys, you got to check out the Compliment and the Compliment Plus because I I found you guys, someone had mentioned you before, and I was looking, it was like, this is awesome. It's all in everything. <laughs> this is great. So I was so thrilled to be able to meet you in person and then and see where this, um, you know, get the, to interview and everything. But definitely, everyone, check it out. The link's below. And um, Matt, thank you again so much for your time. And I'm sure we'll definitely need to do this again. And we can dive into maybe parenting or marketing a message or whatever education and have a lot of fun with that conversation too. <laughs> well, that sounds fun. And thank you again for the opportunity to share a message with your audience. Really appreciate that and all the work you're doing. Thank you. I appreciate you. Okay.